Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back. Lovely getting back together once again after our uh, Pesach break. And uh, I, I don't know if I speak on behalf of the Oilem, but I certainly missed our get-togethers over here. It was not easy. It was not easy not seeing all these lovely faces. What? You had the pleasure of your kids, though. I had the pleasure of my kids, that's true, and that is nice. And we actually had everybody together wow. for about 72 hours. 72 hours, Mamish had all the Rebers together. Um, that was nice, but Reb Herschel, you know, we didn't get to see you this year. We didn't get to see you. Yes, you will. Mirza we will. And uh, lovely getting back together with Oilam. And uh, well, also, if there's, uh, as much as we missed the Chumashir, perhaps, last month, how about Rabbi Aronson's award-winning challenge, which we wow. haven't had, that's right, in the whole four weeks, that's right, and, and everyone had to get by uh, with their Pesach challenge, but, but the, the, forget about Pesach, the Pesach challenge, um, it's, it's uh, with a lot of simcha and excitement, we get back to start off, kick off our summer's man over here, Vayikra, we're smack in the middle of Vayikra, once again, getting together at the end of an amazing, beautiful week, and, and uh, tonight's Rishchadosh Iyar, tonight's first night of Rishchadosh Iyar, so without further ado, Rabbi, so let's launch into this week's double header. We emerge from Pesach into a double header of parashiyas over here, um, and that is Tazriya Mitzoyra. Two parashiyas back-to-back, not very long parashiyas, but not very easy parashiyas. A lot of the more difficult sections of the Torah discussed in, in, in this week's double header, Tazriya Mitzoyra. And let's focus in first on, uh, on, on one of the main focuses over here, one of the main many areas that, that is, is, is discussed, and that is, of course, Tsaras, the condition of Tsaras, and the Metzoyer who contracts Tsaras, it's split up, divided up the two parishes, Tazria, we have the whole process about how a Metzoyer contracts Tsaras, how he becomes Tame in Metzoyer, we have the process by which he becomes purified, right, we go from his, his um, contamination to his purification, and along the way, we encounter a lot of tzaras in a lot of different places as well. And it comes out, you know, when we go through the parashiyas, we learn through the psukim, we find that tzaras can affect no fewer than three entities, three, three different types of items, three different things that tzaras can, can affect, that can, can, can contract tzaras. What are the three things, three areas where you find tzaras? There's, of course, people, human beings can come down with tzaras. Then we have yeah. the house. The stones. That's right, the house itself. The stones of the house and not not belonging clothing the yeah. garden very good clothing specifically clothing okay and and Reb Herschel is 100 correct three different places where tzaras can be found and that's called nige adam nige begadam nige batam and nige begadam tzaras that appears on clothes tzaras that appears on your house and then tzaras that appears on the person himself the person himself. And Chazal tell us that there is a a um, a progression uh, in terms of how Saras appears. That this is from the Tzedakah uh, The Gemara tells us that Hashem has Rachmanis that if a person needs to be be set with Saras. Hashem first makes it come in more distant, more removed, and it gets closer and closer and closer to home until it finally appears on the person himself. It will first appear on his house, then on his clothing, then on the person himself. Um, it's the Rebbe giving us a chance to do tshuva. And with, with, with the three different types of saras in front of us, I want to pose a question, interesting point to ponder over here. 
and, and I want to use this as a point, not just to ponder, but a point of departure, in, in um, maybe understanding a lot of things with newfound clarity through the lenses of this week's parsha. So we find three different places where tzaraz can affect a person. It's interesting that of all three, there's only one, only one of the three is repairable. Only one of the three can be cured, can be healed, so to speak. What's the halacha when you find saras, real saras, in on, on, on an article of clothing? Real saras. The kind comes and he examines it and he says, okay, we have to quarantine it for a week. You wash it, he quarantines. If the saras doesn't fade, if the saras comes back, what do you do with that with that article of clothing? You got to burn it. Where the saras is found, that has to be removed, destroyed. The saras keeps coming back, you got to burn the beggar. What do you do? With the house, if the house contracts tsaras, you destroy it, right? First you destroy the area where the tsaras is found, tsaras comes back, you have to destroy the entire house, right? The the um halachas when it comes to um when it comes to tsaras in the beggar or um tsaras in the house, the the Basukim are again are um, not very, not very forgiving. Um, not very forgiving. The halachs are not very forgiving if you are a pair of gym shorts, or if you're uh, nice, even if you're nice polo shirts, or uh, like a Phillies cap, right? The halachs are not very forgiving over here. That Phillies cap gets tzaras. The flyer's cap, that's right, well, be careful, Shirley, be careful. We have a parachute here tonight, right? Whether it's the flyer's cap or the Phillies cap, the Rockies cap, or the Eagles cap, the, the, the halachas are not very forgiving. The Tsaras returns, and, and uh, you know, in spite of our efforts of washing it, removing that a patch, the Tsaras returns, you burn the cap. If the Tsaras comes back to the house, again, the first step you got to do in the house where the Tsaras appears, in, first you take a sledgehammer, you destroy that corner of the house where the Tsaras is, the Tzaraz comes back again, the whole house has to be knocked down. The house is condemned. Destruction. Incineration. A complete... pulverization of where we find, and purging of where we find that Tzaraz. What happens when Tzaraz besets a person? When a person contracts Tzaraz? It's a matter of time. It's a matter of a process, but eventually it becomes tor, right? Eventually he returns. Yes, Nacham Simcha is right. He has to go. He's got to be driven from the camp. He has to go sit outside Yushalayim, and he has to observe certain halachas. But eventually, eventually, this guy comes back into the machina. Eventually, he brings Karbabis. He has to go through a whole process, a whole, a whole. Uh, you know, a, a whole setup that he has to, that he has to bring these carbonas and he has to shave off his hair. Okay, go to the mikvah, the seder. It's a sprinkling of dam, sprinkling of oil. But eventually, he returns, comes back to the machinim. Haloi davarhu. Very interesting. If if we set things up this way and we look at all the different areas that saras can appear side by side by side, two out of the three, the Torah immediately consigns to destruction, incineration. We don't say, well, let's 
let's bring it to the mikvah. We don't say, let's bring carbonus. We don't give all these options. We, we, we take out the sledgehammer. We toss it in the, in the Shreyfas Chamitz. We toss it in the Maduras Bar Yochai, right? Destruction and, and incineration. When it comes to the person, there's a mahalaf. There's, there's yesh tikva, there's something to do. Haloy Dabro, again, is very interesting. Very interesting that, that saras, saras, saras. And, and we see this immediate dichotomy in, in what the Torah's approach to how we deal with saras. And said differently, one seems to be curable and one is incurable. One, we can deal with, we can do something about, that's nigei adam. There's no such thing as a person who's now forever uh, out of the machna, forever out of kleiser because he got saras or has to be incinerated, has to be destroyed. No, we don't take the sledgehammer to that yid who got saras. But again, with, with the batim and with clothing, they have to be destroyed. What's the chat? Something is up over here. Something very deep and very interesting is going on. Now we could easily say, well, one is expendable, one is replaceable, houses can be replaced, easy come, easy go, clothing, just go to the store and get another pair of gym shorts, get another baseball cap. Yeah, we could say that, but it, it rings a little bit hollow that what? Because what we'd be saying is really everything should be destroyed, but since Jews can't be replaced, so we don't destroy them. No, we would like to destroy them, but we can't replace them, so we don't destroy them. But houses and clothing could be, could be replaced, so we destroy them. It, it doesn't sit well. There's, there's got to be something deeper than this, something richer than this, something uh, with more meaning than this. There's got to be a limit over here. There's got to be a lesson. So what is that? So let's try to use that as our guide over here and try to probe and pursue this point and see what this produces. Just like this. Let's start, I guess, with, with the house and, and, and indeed the sweat socks, the gym shorts, the polo shirt. Let's start over there. The items that have to be destroyed. Why are we destroying them? Why are we destroying a perfectly good house? Why are we destroying a perfectly good, good suit? Why are we destroying a perfectly nice tie, perfectly good tie? Just because it got saraz. I remember when I was a bacher, actually, in, in the, uh, you know, my, my bacher years, I saw probably in the space of like 10 years, I saw ties go through like 20 different fashion, fashion styles. In, 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 in the realm of the yeshiva bachrim. Back then, this was the crazy 80s and 90s, Rabbi Yisai. This is, uh, it was a time of wild, remember this, I don't know, it might have been something that was endemic just to the world of the yeshiva bachrim. So I don't know if in, in the outside world they were uh, flipping through the same fashion styles as quickly as they were with the bachrim. The bachrim, there was, there was one point in time where, where it was, fa- there was paisley, paisley ties were in, then, um, then, then uh, was geometric patterns, and then uh, there was one Takufa where everyone was wearing these ties that were like Picasso paintings, or no Rembrandt. I don't know, like expressionist random splashes of color. Right? I don't know who's that. Is that Rembrandt? I don't really know art, so I'm sorry. I'm kind of bluffing right now, but uh, it was like random blotches of color, like something you see in the modern art museum. There was a Takufa where the Bachman were going around with ties like this. The crazy wild '90s. They had these ties. So why do I bring this up now? Just uh, because we're talking about saras, there are ties that I think that like that 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 even if you would bring them to the best trained kind, it would probably be difficult for the kind to really find the saras in the tie. Um, when 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 you're talking about uh, you know ties that go in and out of of style in the yeshiva world, but in any case, in any case, um, why is why is a Torah taking a perfectly good tie, a perfectly good suit, perfectly good para, whatever it is, dungarees, and telling you to destroy it. Why is the tire doing that? 
What's happens? What's Gato? What, what, what's, what's going on? What, what did the clothes do wrong? Okay, let's start with that question. Everybody with me? What did the clothes do wrong? What did the clothes do wrong? Why are we telling... Why, why, why have to be destroyed? So it's like this. Teretzes. Teretzes. And here's something that we have to be able to face and confront if we're going to be proud Jews with Rabbi Yisai. Pride in prideful places, proud to be a Yid, and proud to, to embrace Yiddishkeit, and to understand what Yiddishkeit stands for. And what Yiddishkeit, if there's one thing Yiddishkeit stands for, it's absolutes, and I don't mean the absolute without the E at the end, which we may have on the table in front of us right now, I mean the absolute with the E at the end. Absolute values, absolute emes, absolute eternal guidance and guidelines. And in, within Yiddishkeit, which is a realm of absolutes, objective truths, objective truth, there's a concept of items and things in this world which really are only here to be destroyed, to be avoided, to be <clears throat> refrained from. There is such a thing. There is such a thing as a practice or a item or a, a, a situation or a, a, a notion which exists to be avoided, which exists merely to be a, 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 an obstacle for me to maneuver around. There is such a thing. There is such a thing. Not a popular line of thought that there's something which is there just to be avoided, something which is there, a, 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 a temptation, a situation, a, a notion, a lifestyle, and even an object or an item this object item exists it, it, because you're supposed to steer clear of it. There is such a concept. There is such a concept. Why should that concept exist? Well, why should there be such a thing in Ishkite? Items and objects, we'll give examples in a moment. The examples, though, abound. Why should, why should there be such a thing in, in, in reality, in this world, in the universe? Hashem made this just for me to avoid it. Hashem created this just for me not to do it. Hashem created such a notion, such, a, such an idea to never... To never uh, go that way, to never try that out? Why, why should that be? And the Terence is Pashit. It goes with that saying that we all are created to have free will, that we're here to have the Chavshis, we're all here to exercise our, our ability to choose. And of course it goes with that saying that free will is only meaningful when we have two choices, right? The right choice and the wrong choice. And, and, and therefore, it goes without saying that it's obvious that in order to have the ability to do something right, I have to also have the equal ability to do something wrong. Okay, so that maybe already explains why you have to have things in life, things in this world, which are only there to be avoided, only there to be to be shunned. But we could still, if we would be stubborn, we could be misakish, we could say, well, no, okay, we have to have free will. But maybe free will could be doesn't have to result automatically in things that you necessarily have to steer clear of, things that you necessarily have to avoid. Maybe free will means figuring out the right way to do everything. I can do everything the right way and the wrong way, which is true. I mean that we have we have kosher alcoholic beverages on the table right now, right? So bottoms up l'chaim. There's a right way and a wrong way of enjoying alcohol, which is which is kosher, right? There's the right way, the wrong way, right? We have cups right here, l'chaim, everyone l'chaim. Right, this is the right way to enjoy it, to, to make a toast to each other, drink together, enjoy each other's company, l'chaim, to wish each other brachas. This is a correct way to enjoy alcohol. 
And of course, there's an incorrect way to um, indulge and overindulge and over overindulge in alcohol, of course. So does free will necessitate the fact that there have to be items and objects and things which you just avoid? Not necessarily, because again, we could we could we could be misakish and we could we could dig our heels in and we could say, just because it's free will doesn't mean there have to be things that you're not allowed to do, period. Maybe let's just figure out the right way and the wrong way of doing everything. So good. So we have to we have to go a little bit further than that. We have to go a little bit deeper than that even. Rabbi Isai, there's a zel umaze boro elokim esa Hashem created the world that there's a zel umaze that not only there's the ability to choose between right and wrong, not only there's the ability to do mitzvahs and equal ability to averis, but there are forces. There's a power. There are authorities in this world that are in charge of evil, the same way there is the Rebbeinu supreme authority with a capital A, which is in charge of all things good. There's a zeluma zebar lakim that Hashem made everything in this world in an equal and opposite kind of setup, in which, the same way we have we have an authority, we have the Rebbeinu Shalolim, and the heavenly host and all of Hashem's agents that are that have been designated by Hashem to carry out Hashem's will, all that is the authority and the agencies in charge of all matters good and light and holy and pure. There's an agency and authority in charge of all matters impure, foul, filthy, and and um, <clears throat> repugnant. Even though it doesn't begin with an F, there is there are there are authorities over there also. There's powers and agencies, and that's known by various different terms in different places. We call that the Sitra Achra, perhaps we call that the dark side. We call that the other side. We call that the Koiches Hatoma Koiches Hara, the powers and entities behind behind the scenes, behind the the uh, the whole realm of. Of of toma of, of filth of all everything which is which is foul everything which represents that which you're not supposed to do so there's authorities and agencies there also and there have to be because Hakadosh Baruch Hu set up the world with a system where, of, of 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 symmetry there are is an agency and an authority of all matters light and pure and holy there's there's an equal and opposite not equal but an opposite authority in charge of all matters foul okay and this agency and authority has to be represented down here as well. There are representatives down here, and there are agencies down here, and, and the same way there are, there's a system of a, a power structure, a hierarchy, in terms of Kedush, in terms of holiness, there's a hierarchy in terms of filth and contamination and impurity. A, hier- a hierarchy over there also, on both sides. On both ends, Zelu the matter and its, and its opposing force. And this is why you have evil people in this world, and that's why very often we've just, we discussed this. I think when we were going through the right the Maral and the Makas, I think before Pesach, we we're talking about this this idea that's coming up right now. That's why you find that um, it's not always so easy to vanquish evil. Not always so easy to take down an evil dictator. It's interesting, but if you make a historical analysis, you will find that that. Evil people tend to stay in power for a while, and, and they tend to survive assassination attempts. They tend to have lasting power. Um, 
and it's a very interesting um, trend when you sit down and stop and examine it, but it, but it's true. The, 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 the ruthless, evil dictators, they, they stay in power for a long time. Was it by the Seder we're talking about? I don't remember. Or was this no, or, no, by, this. by the Maral? No, no, by one of the... By one of the Yomtev Sudas? Okay, maybe it was by Yomtev Sudo at the ranch. We were discussing this. At the ranch, yeah. It's very interesting if you think about it that, that, that the evil people tend to stay in power for a while. Where is that coming from? It's coming from this idea that the excuse me, the Sitra Akhra needs to have pawns, needs to have representatives. And, you know, when there's an Arafat who happily volunteers to be an agent of darkness, to be a pawn, the Sitra Akhra that gives him a certain longevity, lets him stay around for a while. Yehidliya Makshamay survived, uh, you know, more than one assassination attempt because the Sitra Akhra needed him here as an agent, as a representative. There have to be representatives of, of the Koychas Hatoma down here in this world. And not only do they have to be representatives, in terms of the, you know, let's say leaders and, and people in power, there are items and objects that are also there to stand for, to be tokens of the powers of darkness. There are things down here which exist only to be avoided. Why? Because their existence is a manifestation on some level, of, of the Sitra'achra, of the Kaychas Hatum, of the Kaychas of the powers of darkness, the agencies of, of evil, that do have, as long as there's still Gullus, do have, as long as we are still in a, a world which has not been perfected, which do have, as long as Hashem hasn't made the final revelation of Himself to this world, they do have authority down here, they do have power down here, and they have uh, token items where they show up down here and so long as again this whole realm that we call the 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 agencies and the powers of impurity and contamination the sitra akra has the ability to have to be represented by not just people by items down here that becomes items to, objects and practices and notions and concepts all these will be items that have to be avoided if this is where the Sitra Achra shows up. Now, of course, this Pharmacodeshim tell us that there's a realm that's poised exactly in the middle. Yes, the holy books tell us that, as Rebbe knows. The Tanya and other Svarim, they all talk about this. There's something that's poised, that's balanced in the middle, that could go one way, could go the other way. Of course, we have uh, responsibility to exercise our free will in, let's say, Divrei Rishos items which are mutter, which, which could be used properly, used improperly. So those are things that are mamish there on the fence, right? Things that are there in the middle, like food, as we talked about food earlier. Food, a physical indulgence, could go one way, could go the other way. We could use all this yummy, delicious, delectable food on the table, all the brachas over here, the chalons, and the beverages. We could use them to sanctify God's name. We could use them to enjoy each other's company, to make beautiful brachas, and to give our compliments. Once again, to Rabbi Aronson. Yes, this happened to be such a wonderful chant tonight. Or we could, or could overdo it, right? We could overdo eating. We could overdo any indulgence in this world. Good, those are things in the middle. So those are, that, that's the area where we said we have to use our Bechir very properly to just achieve that balance in the middle to use items that are permitted to us in the right way, not in the wrong way. Okay, but then there are items and objects which are solely, exclusively in the realm of the powers of darkness 
and there's no right and wrong over there in terms of how to use it, the only right is avoid it, avoid it, because this is an item which is sponsored by the Sitra Achra. This has become, has become property of the Kaich Zatoma. This is now a, a manifestation of, of the Sitra Achra. There is such a concept, again, it may not be a politically correct one, but it is a correct one, if not politically correct. Not everything has to be politically correct to be correct, right? And this is one of them. Um, what, are, what kinds of things are we referring to? What are these items and objects that are in this world that are here only to be avoided? And there's nothing, there's nothing you can do with it anymore in terms of, of uh, you know, exercising your free will. There's, there's, there's non-kosher foods, for example. Non-kosher foods. You mean I'm never going to get to taste what this tastes like? Yes, you're, you're, you're never going to, you're never going to know what, 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 uh, what this tastes like. You mean I'm, I'm never going to be able to eat this? That's really what God expects. Yes, that's right. You're never going to be able to eat this. You mean I'm, I'm never going to be able to enjoy such and such activity on Shabbos? Correct. You're never going to be able to enjoy it. But you mean my, my, my cousins getting married on Saturday afternoon and I'm his only living relative and he likes me so much and, and the only way I can get there is in such and such and such and such a way so I'll have to violate the... You mean, you mean I'm really not supposed to go to his wedding? Yeah, you're not. You're not. And there's nothing to do about it. There's nothing to do about it. That's absolutes. That's objective truth. That's objective reality. And there are situations in life where the Torah was... The Torah's objective truths and objective realities and objective expectations is telling me this situation exists entirely and exclusively for you to avoid it. It's got to be avoided. Got to be avoided at all costs. That's why it's here. It's here for you to avoid it. Lobster and shrimp and chazar, it's here for you to avoid it. Basar v'chalof is there for you to avoid it. An animal dies with that shechit that's in the veil, it's there for you to avoid it. Non-kosher, birds, fish, and, 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 and beef, it's there for you to avoid. It's there for you to avoid. Stay far away. The Svarma Kadeshim tell us that all items that are here that you're not allowed to eat, they're actually not just the pawns, but the spawn, the spawn of the Sitra Achra, the spawn of the Kaychas Hatoma, the spawn of the powers of darkness. And that's what is generating it and sponsoring these items, and that's why they're here to be avoided. Once an animal dies without Shechita, that is an item that's been sponsored now. It's, it's, and it, it is being underwritten and, and, and presented by the Kaychas Hatoma, the, again, the powers of darkness, and it's here to avoid. Everybody following that? So far, so good? Okay. So, let's take that a step further. Now that we've established that, there are items in this world which are here simply and solely for, the, for, for what? For me to stay away from. Because I'm here to cling to Kedusha. I'm here to cling to holiness. I'm here to cling to purity. And we're told when we cling to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're, we have true life. We have real life. We're really truly all alive when we're clinging to Hashem. We're clinging to God. Good. An item, once it is that manifestation of the Sitra Acher itself, once it is, and we would say, a shtik toma, a shtik toma, just a piece of toma, because it is now within the jurisdiction 
And within the realm of the Sitra Akra, within the realm of the agencies of darkness, once an item is there, it's again irreparable. It's irreparable. It can't do tshuva, exactly. But how about Kaylin? You know, that you can rinse. Oh, very good. Okay, okay. one second. Excellent. You can, excellent. Re- you, you can use that again. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Rabbi Herschel's asking, what about Caleb? We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Excellent question. Um, an item, once it's become the, the, um, the seat and, and the source of a manifestation, a visitation of Kaychas Atoma, it's irreparable. That's where it belongs. That's what it is a, a part of. That's what it's a representation of. That's what it's a manifestation of. And that's it. There's no, there's no repairing it because of this exact principle that the sitra achra, the kaychazatum are there for what? For what purpose? To be avoided. They're there to be avoided. The, the, the entire concept itself, the entire body itself of the sitra achra is here for what purpose? Why is, why is Tomi here altogether? It's here to become negated at the end of days. Not to do tshuva, right? The Yetzirah exists for what purpose? Why does Hashem create Yetzirah? Just to conquer it. Right? But not just conquer it. It's here. for. In the meantime, we're here to conquer it. Conquer means to wrestle with it, pit it down to the ground, right? To be defeated. That's our purpose in the meantime for us to, to uh, overpower. Overpower is a better word, right? Its ultimate purpose is for it to become negated, to disappear. The ultimate purpose of the Yetzirah is not to have a do tshuva, have it like, you know, buddy-buddy with us. That's In the meantime, we try to, certain areas where the Yetzirah is, can be channeled, other areas as though Bear is saying the Yetzirah has to be conquered, has to be overpowered. Ultimately, the ultimate purpose of the Yetzirah really is to become non-existent, is to wink out of existence, to become negated. And that's going to happen at the end of days when Hashem will destroy the Yetzirah. Yezahara, in the meantime, we hold it at bay. In the meantime, we try to overpower it. In the meantime, we try to pin it down. But it's still very much there. It's very much there. We try to overpower it. The ultimate purpose of the Yezahara is not for it to go to the mikvah. Not for it to get sprinkled with the paraduma mixture, but for it to be destroyed. Once something is within the realm, is a shtik toma, is a piece of the kaychaz toma, it, it's slated for destruction. It's, it's, it's irreparable. It's incorrigible. It can't be fixed. It can't be fixed anymore. Hence, hence, when Saras is visited upon Caitlin, uh, the garden, clothing, when Saras is visited upon a house, Saras is one of the highest forms of Tomo. Saras is one of the highest forms of a visitation of the agencies of darkness, the agencies of Ra. Without getting into that now, what creates, what generates Saras, where it's coming from, why it's coming, good. That's well-known ideas. We don't have time to go through that this week. But... It goes without saying everybody understands Saras comes through different Averis, through Lashon Hara, bring, bring down a visitation of the Sitra Akhra itself. When that Saras shows up in an item and in an object, means that item, that house, that article of clothing became what? Became property of the Kaychas Atoma, property of the Sitra Akhra, property of the Agents, the powers of darkness. And that's it. Once it's property of the Agents of darkness, there's no hope. There's no, there's no healing. There's no tikkun and no tshuva, no way to repair it. It's got to be destroyed. It's got to be destroyed. Because it became property of the powers of darkness. 
And Rabbi Yisai, when something becomes treif, what do you do with it? What can you do with it when something becomes treif? There's nothing to do with it anymore. It's the same idea. Treif of food. How do we make treif of food kosher? Nothing to do better, right? You're shechting a cow and you botched the shechita. You botched the shechita. You butchered it. You butchered and botched the shechita. So it's not a geshecht in a cow, it's a nevela. It became a nevela. How do you make that nevela kosher? Nothing to do about it. Once it's treif, it's treif. Once it's tamay, it's tamay. You can't make it kosher anymore. You can't make it kosher anymore. You give it to the guy. You give it to the guy, that's right. You sell it to the guy and take the money and go buy yourself Mike's chicken, right? That you could do. But once it became treif, there's no way of making it kosher anymore. There's no way of making it kosher. It's the same idea. Once something becomes property of the, of the Sitra Akra, there's no turning back, there's no turning it around. There's no turning it around. Masha and Cain, with the, the, the critical difference is a human being, a yid, a yid, Rabbi Yisai, and this is the beautiful, beautiful lesson that lies at the heart of this parsha. We're, we're, we're ready to finally discover what lies at the core of this parsha. The difference between what? Nigei Adam, Sarasa visits a person, and Sarasa visits clothing and a house. A person, a yid, a human being, a yid, a member of Klai Yisrael, is never property of of, of, of the Yetzir Har is never property. Never become stamped and branded as property of the Sitrach of the Kaychas Atom of the agencies of darkness and the powers of evil. Even if he drifts that way, even if he does, is entrenched so much in such filth and such averis that he came down with Saras, which takes quite a lot to get Saras, there's always hope, there's always room for Tikkun, for Chuva, there's always room for improvements and, and, and repair because of the eternal spark that he has inside of himself. A human, a human being, a yid, a Jewish member of the Jewish nation, cannot ever become property. Can never be stamped with, 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 with that branding iron, branded with that stamp of "Hi, I'm property of the Sitrachri." It doesn't do that. His spark inside defies that, and that's something so inspiring and so empowering for each and every one of us over here, right? As the famous story, the Sol Salanter and the the shoemaker, he was told. Kol's match on their dialect actually sacking. As long as we're still alive, that spark is inside. The ner is dialect. The ner, the 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 ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. That spark the, of godliness that we all have inside always maintains us in a state of flux. Always gives us the ability to return, to repair ourselves, to do tshuva, effect a tikkun, and that's why there's this profound difference between saras that visits an Adam and saras that visits the begotten. It's never too late. No one's ever incorrigible. No one's ever, no yid is ever beyond hope. No yid ever becomes just a shtick toma, shtick yitzhara, property in a piece of the kaiyach satoma. And, and, and that's what's lying at the heart of this expression. Now, Herschel asked an excellent, uh, asked an excellent question. Just to quickly wrap up with this and we'll go from Mayrif. Lamaisa, we do find vessels, kalim, that, that become tummy that can go to the mikvah. There are kalim that, that become tummy. You put them in the mikvah and they come back out of the mikvah and then they go in tummy and they come out to heart. They go in impure and they come out pure. Ah, once they become, they become, uh, they become impure. They become tainted, contaminated. They became property of the sitrach of the yitzhar. How does, how do we make, how do we reconcile this with this whole approach over here? The Terence is, we're talking about when we talk about nigei adam, nigei uh, nigei batim, nigei begadim. Saras that that visits. We have a visitation in the house, visitation in in the begadim of of uh, saras. This 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 is is in effect. A, um, as we've been saying the whole time, a manifestation of something that became 
property of the Yetzirah. This is what's branded and stamped with, with the branding iron of the Yetzirah Hara. Why? Because what's the difference between the Tzum of Tzaras and all other Tzumas? Tzum of Tzaras is, is, is um, uh, um, uh, <clears throat> stated this way in, in, in many different places in Chazal, Mishnais, and the Gemara is uh, Tzum Yetzim Igufo is it's an inherent source of Tzum. The Tzum comes from within. Tzaras, the Tzum comes from within. It wasn't Tzum that was contracted from without, it was Tzum that comes from within. So Tzum that comes from within, that's a high level Tzum, that's a Tzum Chamur, a very serious Tzum, that's something which is a visitation of the, the Kaychas HaTzum, the, 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 the agents and, and the powers of darkness is when you have a, a Tzum that comes from within, a Tzum Chamur. Tzum that's contracted, Tzum that comes from without, like the, the vessels that Reb is talking about that you can take to the mikvah, a sheritz, a dead sheritz touches your, um, you know, touches your pot. So you take that pot and you bring it to the mikvah. So that's not something that was branded as property of, of the, uh, you know, the Sitra Akhra, powers of darkness, that came from, without that, that's, that's a Tumakal, we call a, a much lighter level Tumak, that's a Tumak that's repairable because that's not Tumak that was, that was, uh, you know, sourced from within, that was a product of, of a, a, an internal flaw, an internal, you know, corruption. But uh, Tsaras is coming from within, it's inherent Tumak, that's something that is coming from a manifestation of the of the Kaychas Atoma themselves, and that's something that once it hits, there's no repair, there's no there's no uh, return for it, there's no tikkun, there's no tshuva. It has to be incinerated, it has to be destroyed. Whereas, as we said, a yid, when a person gets saras, there's no situation as far as a, a Jew ever 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 drifts in this world in his lifetime. There's never a, pl- a point or a place where he's beyond repair, he's beyond hope. But always do that tshuva, bring the karbanis, and come back. Okay. Shabbos, everyone. A good night.